Colossians chapter number three. And this is the fourth segment in our series we're calling change. Okay, Uh, change. Um, One of the things that is somewhat difficult for a lot of us to do is is to change. Um, And what we're discovering is there's some areas in our life as believers that we're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to help us with. And we want to identify these areas of change that are necessary in the life of the believers. If we're going to be the church that God called and ordained for us to be. And so it's critically important for us uh, to be willing to let God do his perfecting work in us. I've discovered that there, there are some folks, and maybe you were in this category from at one point in time in your Christian walk, some people don't want to be any different than what they are. Some people are satisfied with what they are. And God is trying to get you to move. He's trying to get all of us to move. Because if you are growing in Christ, you won't remain the same. If you are growing in Christ, your life is going to be different. You're going to think differently. You're going to act differently. You're going to respond differently. But the fact remains is that there are certain there are a certain number of people, Christians, who are satisfied with where they are and they're not willing to do anything differently. They don't want to change. But if you're going to go with Christ Jesus, understand this. Jesus, when you really have a true commitment to him, he won't leave you like he found you. Transformation is the order of the day when it comes to our Christian faith. Amen. Everybody say transformation is the order of the day. So in Colossians, the third chapter, the Apostle Paul is writing here uh, in this text. Uh, And I want to start. uh, I tell you what, back up to verse number one right quick and I'll read a few verses there and then we will jump down to verse number 12. Verse number one says, since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse two says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Stop right there. And I want to ask you a question during the course of your uh, of a of a of a seven day week. How much time do you give to thinking about the things of heaven and not just the things on earth? Because I know we think about the things of earth. We think about do I have enough money to make it? Uh, What's work going to be like? What's my family going to eat? How are we going to do this? Where are we traveling to? We think about the things of the earth. But the scripture text says here that if we've been risen with Christ, it says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So from a priority standpoint, our thinking ought to be ran through the prism of the scripture. So so we can get a look at amen, how God looks at life. So in other words, I, I think about the things of earth, but that should be after I think about the things of heaven. He says, think about the things of heaven not the things of earth. Next verse says what? For you died for, for you died to this life and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You died to this life and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Four and five right quick. It says what? And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Now, now check this out, guys. He's talking to the church, right? 
Paul is talking to the saints at Colossae. He says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. The KJV says mortify, which simply means put to death. Kill some stuff. All of us have some stuff inside of us that need to be, this ain't a word, but I'm going to use it as a word, killed. <laughs> All of us have some stuff that we need to put to death. We need to, we need to execute it, right? So watch what he says here. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with what? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an, is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Look at verse 6. He says, because of these sins, the anger of God is what? It's coming. Let's keep reading. Verse 7 and 8. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Now, again, check this out. He's talking to the church. And so he begins to tell the church, hey, listen, put off Sexual immorality, lust, greediness, and all that. Put that stuff off. There's a reason why he had to say that, because it was being uh, perpetrated in the church, right? He says, you got to put this stuff off. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Verse number eight. But now it's the time to get rid of what? Anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. 10, 11, 12. Now watch, he, he told them to put off that stuff, but he says what? Put on your new nature. All right, remember we start off by saying, think about heavenly things, not earthly things. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and what become like him. Now back up right quick, let's look at it one more time. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn. Everybody say learn. There is some stuff that all of us have to learn. As you learn to know your creator and become like him. 11 and 12 says what? Well, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Verse 12. Since God chose, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must do what? Clothe yourselves with tender mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and what? And patience. Okay? So tonight we want to talk about putting on kindness because as we're talking about change, and all of us need to change uh, in some aspect, in some form, I believe that one of the things that's missing in the body of Christ today is kindness. As a matter of fact, I see it being perpetrated in the society because even, quote, evangelicals or Christians are being, I've seen that there's a mean spirit that has engulfed these United States of America. And everybody is, is just barking at each other and nobody is showing the kindness that the Bible says we as Christian believers ought to be showing. All right. So I say put on kindness. Now, definition of kindness, look at that on your outline. Biblically speaking, uh, uh, to be kind to a man means to be a servant to him. Okay? And that, that biblical definition of kindness agrees with Webster's Dictionary. The definition of the word kind means disposed to do good to others and to make them happy by granting their requests 
and supplying their wants. Now watch this again. Uh, biblically speaking, the definition of kindness is to be kind. To be kind to a man means to be a servant to him, and that agrees with the Webster Dictionary because if we're going to be disposed to do good to others and to make them happy by granting their requests and supplying their wants, then that sounds like serving them, doesn't it? All right. So in Colossians three and twelve. Uh, if we go back there, it's, it says, in the case of he says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long suffering. Put on, to clothe, clothe, to put on, or to clothe yourself, okay? Clothe. The Greek word literally means to put on, clothe. So we ought to clothe ourselves with kindness, all right? What Paul is saying here is that when we wake up in the morning, we ought to get dressed spiritually and emotionally as well as physically. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all take as much time putting your, your, your outward physical clothes on as you do? Uh, how much, do you take, take the same amount of time to put your spiritual clothing on and your emotional mindset on as you do your physical clothes? Uh, most of us probably don't. You spend a lot of time getting your hair together, right? How many ladies in here take, take time doing your hair? Well, okay, all right, all right. Uh, take time doing your makeup. Take time looking in the mirror, uh, putting clothes on, and sometimes taking them off and putting some other clothes on because you're trying to get that look right. How many of y'all get up in the morning and, and sometimes you know a certain look that you want that day? Now, your look on Monday may be different than your look on Friday. And so if you get up and if, if you don't have that look that you got in your mind, you go through your closet and try to get yourself together physically, dressing up. What Paul is saying here is, is just like we take that time to put on and to just dress up our physical outward man, we should also take the same amount of time to put on our spiritual cap, our spiritual mindset, our emotional mindset. Okay, When we wake up in the morning and decide what to wear, we should also ask ourselves, what kind of attitude am I going to wear today? When you go into work, you, you ought to already have your mind made up and should already, already have decided that, you know what, I am going to be a kind person today. I am going to go into that department that I work at, and I know there's a lady there that gets on my last nerve, but today I'm going to kill her with kindness. Today I'm going to make sure I am supportive of him in everything that needs to be done to make sure that our workflow gets taken care of on this day. Amen. What kind of attitude are you going to have today? Do you ever think about putting on kindness, putting on love, putting on gentleness? Paul says kindness is a choice. Amen. It's like I told you on Sunday. Love is controllable because otherwise it wasn't controllable. If we couldn't help ourselves, we, we couldn't be commanded to love. Right. So if, if we're commanded to do something, that means that we have a choice in doing that and we have a choice in showing kindness. So Paul says, clothe yourself. Go Put that back in the KJV, in the NLT right quick. Colossians 3 and 12. Notice what it says here. It talks about since God chose you to be uh, the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. OK. Kindness is love in action, okay? It's love in action. A, it's, it's a practical expression of love. It's visible and active, not just emotional, okay? 
It's a choice. It's something, it is something we can choose to put on every day. Kindness is. What are the risks associated with being kind? Is there, are, is there any risk involved in being kind to people? Anybody? Well, first of all, you might be misunderstood, right? Because when you start being nice, some people say, they say, I wonder what he wants. I wonder what she wants. They, they start looking at you cross-eyed a little bit, huh? But see, yeah, what's, what's wrong? What, what's wrong? What, why, why are they being so nice to me? Because in the past, people have been nice to them to get something from them. But see, God tells us to be kind, amen, to, to, to others. And it's not to get something from them. It's to give something to them. But again, you, you, could, you, could, you could risk being misunderstood. Because in the day and age that we live in now, if you start being kind, if you start... Um, uh, playing with uh, a, a, a little baby, a child, a, a mother may come and grab and think you're being a pervert or something, right? So, so, so you you run the risk of being misunderstood. Okay, people asking why is this person being nice to me? What do they want from me? Okay, so um, uh, are they going to try to take advantage of me? So that that comes up. But we ought to be kind for two reasons. Number one, look at your outline. Number one, we ought to be kind because God is kind to us. Right. Go to Ephesians, the second chapter, and we're going to look at verse number eight. Ephesians chapter two, verse number eight. So first of all, God is kind to us. So we are reciprocate. Ephesians. uh, Chapter two, verse eight says, God saved you by his grace when you believe and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift. From God. In other words, God gifted us. He saved us. Amen. By his grace. So verse nine and 10, let's read that also. It says what? Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We didn't get saved because we were good. We got we got saved because God loved us. and It was a gift. He graced us with it. Verse number 10 says what? For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Grace and kindness always go together. So because we've been extended grace and kindness, we should also extend that to others. We're commanded to do so. Put on kindness. Clothe yourself with kindness and gentleness. Okay. So we ought to be kind because God is kind to us. Number two, uh, the other reason we should be kind is that we want people to be kind to us. Okay, since God was kind to us, that's one reason. But we, you know, if a man wants friend, he must do what? Show himself friendly. And some some of us don't have friends because we're not very friendly. All right, go with me right quick to Matthew the seventh chapter, verse number twelve, and we look at Proverbs twenty one and twenty one, and then we look at Proverbs eleven and seventeen. Matthew seven and verse number twelve says this: Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Who's talking here? Jesus. This, he says, is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Again, if you really want to boil life down, your Christian life down uh, to uh, to to just uh, in a simplistic base form, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind and all your soul and then love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, hey, man, you got everything else covered. Right. He says here, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law 
and the problem. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. So, again, we're commanded there to do it. How many of y'all want people to be kind to you? I think most of us do. Nobody wakes up in the morning saying, be mean to me. Be a knucklehead. No, you don't do that. You want people to be kind. And so, uh, so go to Proverbs 21 and 21. Look at that right quick. We want to be treated right. I know all of us want to be treated right, okay? Proverbs 21 and 21 says, whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will do what? Will find life, righteousness, and what? Honor. Let's read it again out loud on purpose. Whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness, and honor. If you pursue righteousness and unfailing love, you're going to find life, righteousness, and honor. There's a reciprocation that's going on here. What you, what, if you pursue it, it's going to come back to you, right? Proverbs 11 and 17. Look at that right quick. Proverbs 11 and 17. If you pursue it. Now, when you pursue something, that means that you go after it. Right? You go after it. There are a lot of things in life that we pursue, but how many of us pursue kindness? Really clothe ourselves with kindness. He says your kindness will reward you but your cruelty will do what? Will destroy you. Let's read it one more time. It says what? Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Now, this is a very crucial lesson, guys, because if the truth be told, some of us in here aren't known for being kind. I'm not saying who. I'm just saying some of us in here aren't known for being kind people. Yeah, you say, if you die right now, you're going to heaven, but you're known as being a meanie beanie. Not a very kind person. Hello? Some of y'all don't got quiet. You're like, is Pastor talking about me? I didn't. I just, I'm saying in general, I'm not, I'm not thinking about anybody in particular. But I know. That some people are known for not being kind. When we are commanded by the scripture to clothe ourselves in kindness. So that means that if I'm not known for being kind, then I got to change. Because God, God tells me to do this. And if I don't do this, if this is not a part of my, 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 my normal mode of operation, my MO, I got to change. Now, all of us can have a bad day. All of us can, 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 can have our moments, right? Well, we're not thinking and we say something or act in a way that's not conducive to our Christian faith, but that should not be what we're known for. So what I'm, what I'm asking you to do is if you're known for, if, if at least two or three people have told you that you that you, 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 you're, you're ornery, you're mean, they probably ain't lying. Hello? So quit, quit defending yourself and just say, you know what? Let me examine how I approach people. Because if God says kindness, I need to put on kindness. If I'm not known for being kind, then I need to do what? Change. Because scripture keeps telling me over and over again 
to clothe myself in kindness and for me to ignore that and think everybody else is the problem, then I got a problem with me. It's, it's amazing how sometimes we as people, as individuals, think it's all the other folks' fault. And I'm going to tell you something. If every place you go to, there's stuff that just kind of blows up, you're the common denominator. Every, way, every place you work, it's everybody else. Every time. See, I think we got to start looking at ourselves and seeing because every, every place you go, it, it, people ain't hating on you. Every, every, people, if the truth be told, most people are not studying you. <laughs> I mean, we're, in all honesty, people are doing life and we think people just sitting around hating on us. Baby, you're not that important. You follow me? Sometimes it's our lack of, 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 of security and knowing who we are to gets us to thinking that everybody is, is after us. But sometimes it's us who's in the middle of stuff and not being the kind person that God wants us to be. And, and so we got to examine ourselves and we got to be willing to change. Everybody say change. Read this one more time. Here's why it's important. Your kindness will do what? It'll reward you. But your cruelty will destroy you. That's what Proverbs says. The book of wisdom says your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Okay? So we got to change. Again, I know anybody can have a bad day. But what I'm talking about is, is, is people who are consistently unkind in the church. You're a believer. You represent EBC. And in these places of employment, if I go to your place of employment and tell them that you're a member of our church, I shouldn't have to cringe when I come out of there and they tell me how you are at work. I shouldn't have to come and say, give me the T-shirt, give me the Give me the jacket too. We taking EBC off. I shouldn't have to do that because you're. You, first of all, you're not you're not walking in a way that's representative of who, what we're teaching here, right? And 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 then you go and start inviting people to come to church here, and they, they won't come to church here because you're here. Your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. So look at the five characteristics of a kind person. Look at these right quick and see if we can make some headway. Because we got change. Putting on kind. Put it on. Put it on. When you wake up in the morning, just like you put your makeup on, ladies, and your clothes, your dress, and your hair and all that. Because you, I'm saying it to you ladies because you, you ladies generally take a longer period of time to get ready than most men do. I don't, that's how it works in my house. I don't know about nobody else's house. Does it work the way your house, Jacoby? <laughs> I mean, and thank God for our ladies because y'all look glamorous. Y'all look awesome. But it took y'all a little bit longer. And y'all, and, and when y'all say, I'm ready, that don't mean you're ready. I told y'all before, right? That means I got another 15, 20 minutes before I'm really ready. But just like you take time to put on your outward appearance, let's take time to clothe ourselves in kindness. Okay? So, first characteristic of a kind person is you got to be sensitive. Kind people are sensitive to others. Go to Philippians, second chapter. 
sensitive. How sensitive are you? Sensitivity is something that we need. Kind people are sensitive to others. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, don't look out. Let's go back to verse 1. Go, go to verse 1. I'm sorry. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with what? One mind and purpose. As a church body, guys, listen, um, we, we need to work with one mind and one purpose. Now, this is why Bible study is, is crucially important, more so even beyond Sunday morning. I thank God for you guys being here and committing yourself to be, be here for midweek service. But there are others who, who don't, I don't think, really fully grasp you know, where we're trying to go because they only catch a Sunday morning uh, message and, and the praise and worship service, which is fine. It's cool. It's cool that they come, but we got to go a little bit deeper. We got to have some time where we think about different practical things that, that we have to focus on as a, as a ministry and you as an individual. Uh, and not only just come and hear me talk, but we got to, we got to start, you know, putting stuff into action. And, and, and what I'm praying about now is how, as, as a leader, do I ramp up the discipling process to get us to the point where we're thinking about the things of God uh, more than just on Sunday? How do we, even on Wednesday night, is this the best way to continue to do Bible study? I'm, I'm praying through those kind of things. I think there's, there, there's some times we've got to have some breakouts in small groups, some discipleship, some things that we, we go home and we, we're, we're required to, to, to look through and meditate through and write out and think through uh, in our time of meditation and, and come back and discuss it and, and get some clarity on it so that we can be on the same page in one mind. That's, what, that's the kind of stuff I'm thinking about because I believe that, that if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into a routine and, and we'll, we've been doing the same routine for 25 years and maybe we need, to, we, we need to shake some stuff up so we can start moving and changing in our own lives. See, I, I sit here and think, and here, here's what I've been thinking I'm going to tell you what's going to go through my mind. In my mind, I'm thinking, sometimes I think my voice has become too familiar to a lot of people in this church. So much so that, that they hear me, but they don't hear me. They're, they're listening to me audibly, but the words that I'm sharing are not penetrating them to the point to where they're making change in their life. You following me? So sometimes I think, well, maybe they need to hear a different voice. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we need to change how we are doing things. Because I want you to move. I want you to change. I want you to get to the point to where God can utilize you in any setting and environment that he so chooses. And if that means that we got to do something different, different ain't always bad. Change is not always bad. Although when change comes, it just kind of disrupts folks. I remember that one time when we, we combined the men and the women's Sunday school class together that one time. And uh, I think both of y'all were uncomfortable. The men were uncomfortable because they weren't studying. 
And y'all are requiring them to answer some questions. I mean, not all of them. I mean, we have some instead of, but I've, I've sat in the men class and the men like to kind of pontificate and they'll, they'll throw, but if you ask them, did you read the lesson? Uh, most of my, most men aren't reading. I'm going to tell you right now. They're not, they're not, they're not really studying in depthly. Good men say their daddy going to heaven, but they're not spending time in the word. We like to get around and talk. And we have we have and our men's ministry on Saturday. That's what we do. We talk. We, 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 we share scripture, but we converse, which is cool. But at the same time, we need to be doctrinally sound, too, so that when I'm saying or giving you an opinion, my opinion is based off the word of God, not just what I've seen. If I'm sharing advice to you, I want to have a spiritual principle, a command or a precept that I can govern my advice on. Not just the way I feel or what I saw uh, uh, on on, on whatever show I saw on TV or whatever talk show that I'm listening to or D.L. Hughley or or, or, or Tom Joyner. I ain't got nothing against those brothers, but I don't know if they're giving you word. Right. And so as 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 a pastor of this church, I want you to be able to have a principle, foundational truth from the word of God that directs your thinking, not just how you feel. Are y'all tracking with me? But when we did that, man, it, it, people were uncomfortable because they wasn't used to change. It was something different. But different ain't always bad. Because I discovered that, that change or doing something different will, will, will cause you to be stretched a little bit. Get out of your comfort zone. If I were to move this group over here like I did one time, even just sitting in a different spot, you get comfortable, uncomfortable, don't you? Like I said, I, I'm used to on Wednesday seeing Laura and Carl right there, usually on Sunday. And uh, um, uh, Doris and Carl, when they're here, they sit back there on Wednesday, but on Sunday they sit over here. All right? So one Sunday I'm going to get all y'all up and say, go sit over yonder, and y'all come sit over here. And watch what's going to happen. During the month service, y'all be able to praise and love you like, this don't feel right. All you're doing, you've changed from one side to the other. But we as human beings don't like change. And our salvation experience is all about transformation. It's a journey, Leroy. It, it, once we get saved, we're on the journey to change. That's why it's so difficult because we've been accustomed to being us all this time. And hadn't let the word of God transform us, Sherry. And that's what it's, that's what he wants to do. He wants to change it. So I'm just I'm just giving you a fair warning. I, I'm just I'm, I've been thinking, and Lord, Lord, let's do something different so we can shake people into a, 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 a point where we can begin to move from our current place. Because I'm I'm afraid that many of us have gotten complacent. OK, y'all with him? Now watch this. Come on, let's go. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. As a church, we want to be building faith and connecting families. We're all about getting folks saved and discipling and training them so they can go out and save somebody else. That's what we're about. We're not about anything else but that. If you are in here, let me tell you something right now. And I know that there are people, some people can't grasp this, but if you're in here to be seen and to have a title and a name, you're not going to be comfortable. I'm, you're just not going to be comfortable because it ain't about you, it ain't about me, it ain't about titles and positions. It's about lifting up Jesus. And the other part about it is, if, 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 you, if you're not willing to be taught, how are you going to lead somebody else? 
if you're not willing to come to Bible study, what I look like having you up here preaching to others and you won't even come get taught yourself. Every minister ought to be a, a, a faithful attender of, of Sunday school. And I got some ministers who don't come to Sunday school. If I check the roll. And I am going to check the roll. And call you out. Preacher. How you going to preach and you won't come get taught? See, it's more than just about you. It's about getting prepared to lift up Jesus. Amen. Now watch. Okay, let's, let's keep moving. All right. I'm losing my time. Don't be selfish. Watch this. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Wow. Boy, that's, 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 that's it's kind of, it, it's simplistic, but it's a little deep too. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. How many of y'all, come on now, how many of y'all, come on, how many of y'all really thinking of others as better than yourselves? Mm-hmm. I'm not too many of us in here thinking that way. But that's what he says here. Look at verse number four. Come on, let's go. It says what? Verse four. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. All right, so circle that word look if, if, if you got it in the NLT in your Bible. Don't look out only for your own, uh, you know, f- for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Kindness always starts with noticing the needs and hurts of others. Oftentimes in marriage, I, I discover what happens is we totally become unaware of what our spouse's needs are. And, and, we, and, we, and, and if you're not careful, you become callous and hard and you only think about your needs. You, you know, when you, when you live with somebody, if you're not careful, you can become selfish. Because before you got married, you were selfish. It was all about you. And now when you get married, you, it's not just you, it's somebody else too. So if you get upset when you don't get it your way, and it's not, if it's not how you want it, and you, you, you discard the needs of your spouse, then now we have problems. And oftentimes we become callous and hard. We stop listening. And we're clueless about how that's affecting our spouse. Now listen to me real carefully. The root of many marriage problems is insensitivity. You become insensitive to the needs of that other person. And so somebody needs to start getting back on the kindness bandwagon and stop just thinking about yourself. And think about others also. It's so easy to do, guys. It is so easy to do to focus on yourself. Maria and I had this little running, it's not really a running joke, but uh, you know, when I preach that sermon on, on patience, sometimes I can be impatient, uh, especially when she's getting ready for work in the morning. Now, I'm having to help her because she has an issue with her shoulder, uh, but it takes my wife a long time to get ready. And so sometimes I'm ready to go and get out the house. But what I'm doing is I'm learning how to say, okay, let me wait and make sure she doesn't need anything else. Don't let me reach up and get something that's up high in the closet. Uh, and she don't need me to help, help her put a shirt on before I get out of there. So what I'm doing now is, is, is sometimes if I sit there and start, she said, are you being patient, baby? Yes, I am. Take your time, baby. Take your time, sweetie. All right. So I'm, I'm learning how not to get in a rush. Now, don't look at me like that. Now, I, know some, I ain't the only brother that's like that. Come on. And, and maybe not the only sister. I'm not a sister, but, you know, if you're a sister, I'm, 
some, you know, guys, if we don't focus, come on, if we don't focus, we can be impatient. We can be unkind at times. Right. Don't, don't make me call your spouse out or call your children out or your cousin them or your grandmom and say, is he impatient sometimes? Is she unkind sometimes? The answer would probably be yes. All right. Now. All right. So so don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others. Too. All right. So we got to be sensitive. Everybody say be sensitive. A kind person is a sensitive person. In Second Samuel chapter nine, we find an example of sensitivity and kindness in the life of King David. Uh, go there real quickly. Second Samuel chapter nine. And, and we'll look uh, at a few verses there. Uh, just set, set the stage for that. Second Samuel nine. Uh, David was crowned king of Israel, as you know, and had led the Israelites in a series of military uh, battles and had, they had been victorious. And the former king, Saul, you all remember him, right, who had opposed David and chased him for years, was he was now dead at this point in time. And David's friend, Jonathan, who was Saul's son, uh, had been killed uh, in, in the battle. OK, so now now he's safely on the throne. Now Saul is gone, all that trying to chase him down and kill him and throwing the javelin at and all that. That's all with. He's on the throne now. Okay, so but David makes an unusual request here in this ninth chapter. He asked whether there was anyone left in Saul's family. Saul, remember the one who was trying to kill him? He says, is there anyone left in Saul's family to whom he could be kind to? And he found Saul's grandson, who was Jonathan's son. His name was Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth was crippled in both feet. He was he was a, he was he had some some issues. Okay. So when we get to this, um, uh, this story, look, look, look back, pop up verse number one for me right quick, okay? It says, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Because y'all remember, the Bible says that Jonathan and David's soul was knit together. They, they were ace boom coon. They were ride or die partners, man. They, they, you know, Jonathan, Jonathan risked his life for David. Okay, they were they were that close. He says, is anyone uh, uh, to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Verse number two says what? So he summoned a man named Zeba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Zeba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am. Zeba replied. Verse three. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Now, again, remember, Saul was trying to kill him. But here he said, he said, I want to show kindness to a member of Saul's family. Watch it. Now, some of y'all would say, oh, I ain't going to show no kind. I'll tell you what I'm going to show. Won't be kind. That dude was trying to take me out. Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar. At home, at the home of Mekar, son of Amiel. Text says, so David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home. Now, watch this now. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Wow. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully exclaim, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? He didn't think very much of himself, did he? He says, who, who, what have I done? You, you showing kindness to a dead dog like me? 
This dude, man, he, I don't know what was going on with him. Maybe because he was, uh, uh, you know, had these physical ailments, whatever. He didn't think very much of himself. He called himself a dead dog. Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. So David showed kindness to him, okay? A, a, a man who did not expect it. He said he did it for Jonathan's sake. And this guy couldn't understand why David was doing what he's doing. Sometimes when you start to show kindness to people at work, in your neighborhood, in your family, they're going to wonder, why are you doing this? But you, you keep doing it because you got a command from God. So, so uh, be sensitive, okay? Num- number two, uh, get back to, uh, 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 to our outline. The second characteristic of a kind person is, 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 is that, that person is supportive. Be supportive. A second characteristic exhibited by kind people is supportiveness, okay? And this means talking about uh, you know, building people up rather than tearing them down. Being supportive. Philippians, go to Proverbs 15 and 4 with me right quick. Being supportive, talking about building people up rather than tearing them down. Learn how to build people up with your words. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue does what? Crushes the spirit. Look at it again. Gentle words are a what? Tree of life. A deceitful tongue does what? Crushes the spirit. The spirit. Go to Proverbs 10, verse number 32, right quick. Glory to God. Be supportive. Build people up with your words. Learn how to speak kindly to folks rather than being gruff and rough. Okay? The lips of the godly speak what? Helpful words, but the mouth of the wicked speaks perverse words. So what kind of words come out of your mouth? What kind of what kind of uh 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 uh, tone and tenor is there coming out of your mouth. Godly people speak helpful words, but the wicked speak perverse words. Okay? Be supportive in your speech. Kind words can build a bridge in a strained relationship. A Christian ought to speak kindly even when given the opportunity to retaliate. Go on to Genesis, the 50th chapter right here. Genesis chapter number 50, verse 19, 20, and 21. And y'all notice this story of Joseph. We, we've talked about it before in preaching how Joseph's brother became jealous of him because he was his father's favorite son, right? And then what made it even worse is when, when Joseph um, uh, shared with them the dream or the vision that he had, which showed him ruling over them. They, got, they just got indignant. They, just, they took him and threw him in a hole and faked his death. And he ended up in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife tried to rape him. Ended up, you know, not. Yeah, she tried to. She tried to rape him. And t- she, tried to, she tried to take it from him. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Okay. Y'all know what it is, right? Okay. <laughs> I right, just want to make sure y'all know what it is. Okay. So <laughs> she he ran, and so he she accused him. Went to prison. Uh, God was with him everywhere he went. The Lord was with him. So. He was he, he rose up to be in charge of all the policy stuff. When he went to jail, he rose up to be in charge of the jail. And then he interpreted the dream for the king. And then now he rose up to be second in command of all of Egypt. And then all of a sudden famine happened. And the folk who did him dirt, Tisha, his brothers had to come to him in order to stay alive. Now watch what happens. Now, how many of y'all, after your brothers, your family did you dirt like this? And you're in a position of authority now. How many of y'all would have did what Joseph did or what you have gotten him back? Text says, but Joseph replied, 
Don't be afraid. This this whole lot in between this. Y'all go back and read the rest of the story. You know, once he revealed himself. Because they didn't know who they were dealing with at first. Joseph was messing with them for a little while trying to see where their heart was. And then once he revealed himself, they thought, oh, my God. He getting ready to take us out. The text says, but Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Verse number 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph understood why God had him go through what he went through. Sometimes in life, we don't know why we're going through what we're going through, but God will take us through something to use us to do greater things. Amen. So you just keep moving with God. Amen. Don't you get frustrated. Don't you don't you give up on God. God's got your back. Amen. Even though you may be going through something right now, God's going to take you through and set you up to do great things for him. Now he said, no, no, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking what? Kindly to them. His brothers who had sold him into slavery. Here they are coming back, and he's in a position of thought. He could have, he could have called men right now and executed them on the spot, but he spoke kindly to them. Okay, so be supportive in, uh, in 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 how you talk and build people up rather than tearing them down. Number three, be sympathetic. Third characteristic of a kind person is the ability to be sympathetic. Go to Romans twelve. Come on, hurry. Romans twelve. My time is out. Romans twelve. Verse 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Second Timothy 2 and 24. Go there right quick. Second Timothy 2 and 24. Glory to God. A servant of the Lord. Watch this. A servant of the Lord. Everybody say a servant of the Lord. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Let me stop right there. If you are a very argumentative person, stop it. It's ruining your testimony. Let me say it again. If you are a very argumentative person, stop it. It's ruining your testimony. Now, I'm not saying that there's not time for what I call spirited debate or spirited uh, uh, you know, discussion. But if, 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 if you are, if you are uh, known as an argumentative person, it's going to ruin your testimony. People won't, people won't feel comfortable coming to you. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to what? Everyone be able to teach and be patient with what? How many of y'all deal with difficult people in the course of your week? Anybody? All right, so you deal with difficult people. All right, so the text says here, you got to be patient with them. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? Let's read the whole thing again. A servant of the Lord must not what? So stop being argumentative. Stop being fussy, fussy. You ever thought about? Ask your children. Ask your spouse. Ask people who are close to you. Am I a fussy, argumentative person? And don't get mad when they tell the truth. Some people won't tell you the truth because they know, if I say that, you're going to get mad. That's that's the problem right there. Do you realize there's a problem if people won't tell you the truth because they think you're going to get mad? You got a problem. You may not think you do, but you do. I'm going to say it again. You got a problem. And this kindness thing that we're talking about, you need to start embracing. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. 
How patient are you? Go to Titus 3 right quick. Come on. Titus 3. Verse. Uh, glory to God. Verse 4. Go, skip. Uh, let's see. Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what's good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. There it is again, guys. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, watch this, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, thank God, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Six and seven. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And verse seven, because of his grace, he declared us what righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Guys, listen. Be sympathetic. Number four, be straightforward. Sometimes kindness means being candid with people. Sometimes it means laying on the line, telling the truth, and leveling with people. Proverbs 27 and 6. Being candid. That's being kind. If something is not, if something is thrown off, if it's, if it's, I don't know, sometimes people won't tell you the truth and let you go out there and make a fool out of yourself. Don't do that. Okay? Did, did that resonate? Well, you able to understand me? Well, yeah, yeah. No, you didn't. <laughs> Say, I didn't understand it. Maybe you ought to rephrase it another way so, so that people can grasp what you're trying to say, but you, you're trying to be kind by not telling the truth that what they said didn't make sense. You know, I started saying to people now, I said, you know, okay, that's, okay, I heard you. But you were speaking in parables. All right, now break that parable down for me. That's why I saw it to me. Because sometimes people were talk, talking around, they go around grandma's house. You know, you know, you know, you know, they won't come out and just tell you what the real deal is. Well, you know, you know we, we had some, some stuff going on, some issues. And what issues? I can't help you if I don't know what the issues are. Well, you know, I just don't want to put my business out there. What? Your business, we here talking to try to get you help. What do you mean your business? We're here to get you help. Ain't no, I tell people when they come to council, ain't nothing you say going to surprise me. I don't hear just about everything. So don't be sitting there trying to cover for me because I ain't nobody. God sits high and looks low. I'm just trying to help you. But I can't help you if you're trying to hide your stuff. Okay, you, I heard what you said, but you were speaking in parables. So now break that parable down for me. Tell me what you're really talking about. Well, Pastor, he cussed me out, and I hit him upside the head because he cussed me out. Now we can deal with that. <laughs> We can deal with that now, okay? All right, watch this. It's just sit up my mouth. Well, you know, we have issues and trouble. Now, what issues? Wounds, watch this. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Sometimes your, your true friend will say stuff that hurts your little old feeling. Just kind of crush you. But they were telling you the truth. Don't run from that kind of friend. You stick to that friend. Run from that one that's always telling you everything is great and you never do anything wrong. You're always right. 
Watch out for that. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Okay? So being kind means sometimes being straightforward, honest, leveling with people, letting them know, hey, listen, if, if, you, keep, if you put that out there, it's not going to work. Nope, I wouldn't buy it. I'm your friend and I wouldn't buy it. That cake nasty. You ain't going to sell many of those. You left something out, something missing. Taste my, taste my gumbo. How does that? Ooh. Some of y'all were talking. No, don't, no, 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 no. Go back to the drawing board. Kindness means you have to be straightforward with people. Some candid. You didn't do it a nice way. You don't have to go, oh, that's horrible. No, don't do it that way. You say, no, that, that's, that, that's not going to work. You're not going to sell them. Okay, you got a booth. At the fair, but ain't nobody gonna buy this. So let's get something else. Be kind, okay? Straightforward. Number five, be be spontaneous. If you want to be kind, if you want to be kind, learn to be spontaneous. Don't wait to show kindness. Do it while you have the opportunity. Galatians six and ten. Let's go to right to say. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Now we says everyone. They talking about. Saved and unsaved. But notice what he says here. Especially to those in the family of faith or in the household of faith. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to what? Everyone, especially those in the, house, in the family of faith. We, especially born again believers, we ought to try to help out. And, and uh, you know, when an opportunity arises, when, we can, when it's in our power to do something about it, let's do something about it. Okay, and and I won't have time to go here, but in Luke the tenth chapter, uh, twenty five to thirty seven is the story of the Good Samaritan, where um, uh, we see a classic example of spontaneous kindness being shown in that parable that Jesus told. Okay, so um, you know when you have the opportunity to, to bless somebody, to serve somebody, let's do it. Quit worrying about whatever else you worried about. Say, so you know what? I'm going to be kind. I'm going to bless this person today. Okay? Let's change. Let's be kind. Let's be a kinder, gentler church. Amen? I think we got a, I personally think we got a good church, uh, but I also know that, that all of us have work to be done. And so kindness is something that we got to begin to show and exhibit because we want God to get the glory out of our life. Amen? Every head bow, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and praise you.